Train Productions presents Arch Rivals Football Season 2. Your starting lineup, Ricky Litwinkowicz, Alex Aldape, Todd Rosenfeld, and Nicholas Russell. Enjoy the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Arch Rivals Football. It's a two-man panel tonight. It's me and Mr. Nicholas Russell. How is the weekend, Nick? Hold on. Apparently, there's no audio. Uh, I don't know how that's possible. Let's see. Hold on. No audio. How is there no audio? Let's see here. Hold on. I'll check the settings. It's there. We're now good. All right, yeah, we're good. All right, there we go. Blast now. Go for it. You want me to put the Bucks fans on blast now? Okay, well, because I there's quite a few rants that I have going on. All right, well, here's what happened. So. Wait a minute. Hold on. Steven keeps saying there's still no audio. Hold on a second. Because I, I just double checked everything. It should be working. All right. Yeah, we're good. All right. There we go. All right. All right. We are. I, I, Steven, I hear us talking. Unless, I don't know if it's your phone or not, but I hear us. I don't us. know. I double checked to make sure, but it's working now. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So, um,. Ah, well, the Bucks lost Sunday. They lost, um, I don't remember what the score was, 27-23. And, uh, I mean, it was, I mean, even without, I mean, there was some controversy into the game. Um, a clear fumble on a fake field goal by Tennessee. Actually, you know, there's a couple things. Uh, first off, I know, I know I'm not the one to really, quote-unquote, blame the referees um hey they're saying it's you they can't hear well i just changed that i'll, do- I'll double check it while you go on okay that. all right so here's what happened what happened is uh yo what was i saying oh so i'm not the one to blame the referees uh on losses when it comes to tampa bay but uh 
And I'm not going to really say that it was full the referee's fault on why we lost on Sunday, but a couple of calls did not go our way, which I thought was complete other nonsense. Uh, one, there was a pass interference call on Carlton Davis III in which Bruce Arians was very adamant that uh, there was a flop on the receiver who I want to say was Corey Davis uh, on that pass interference call in where it looks like Corey Davis, I mean Corey Davis, Carlton Davis the third had his arm stretched out and then just immediately went up for the ball. The wide receiver uh, sold the call and got the pass interference. And when Arians challenged it, he told these idiots that the man flopped and there was no push-off. There was clear no push-off. And they still call pass interference, which I find a total joke. Then later on in the game, they on a fourth and two, they fake a field goal. Uh, Devin White comes and hits the 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 um, it was the uh, the punter, and he clearly fumbles the football. And they call them down by contact when. Uh, it was Anthony Adams scoops the ball up and goes for a touchdown. Well, on the replay, this man never had clear of the uh, control of the ball. So why would you blow the whistle dead? And I was flipping livid because when they showed the replay twice, I said that was a live football. You should have not have blown the whistle. That is the number one thing they were talking about in the NFL, that when there is a fumble, whether it be on the uh, whether it be on a runner or specifically on a quarterback of his arms going forward, you clearly let the play go on and then you blow the whistle once the play is dead and then they review it because all turnovers get reviewed. So if the ball came out loose and you see Anthony Adams pick up the ball and run, why would you blow the whistle dead? It is an absolute total joke what happened. Nonetheless, though, Tampa Bay ends up losing this game 27-23, and the talk is all on Jameis Winston and what happened to Jameis Winston and everything that happened in that football game. And I'm about sick and tired of the Bucks fans and this nonsense on bashing the quarterback. It's really starting to piss me off to an extent of – I'm sitting here and looking at all of these statuses and I'm in these monkey ass groups looking at all these so-called fans that have gone out. And when Bruce Arians himself, here's the funny thing. You get some smart fans that'll tell you, okay, Bashard Perryman, for whatever reason, decided to give up on his route and the ball got clearly picked off. Now, most fans would say, oh, that was Jameis Winston's fault. But a smart fan would say, why would Brashard Perryman pull up on his route and not be at the spot where Jameis was throwing the football? Who knows? On one occasion, you had Chris Godwin, who I love to death, does not get in the right part of the zone. Jameis throws the ball where he's supposed to be, and there's two defenders for an easy pickoff. He did it again, and luckily it was short hopped, and they thought it was an interception, but it wasn't. Jameis Winston has got a lot of blame for what's going on in Tampa Bay, and I think it's an absolute joke. And what it has done is the losses has t has kind of torn the fan base apart because you have some guys that swear up and down, we should draft Jake Fromm. I'm cool on that nonsense. You get some people that say, oh, we should uh, – or you should do what the smart thing to do, which I think – is the Bucks need to go out and fix the O-line. Give Jameis time because 
Here's what I saw today that really pissed me off. I saw a guy put up a video from another Bucks fans from what Jameis Winston did two and three years ago. And then all the Buck idiots that are sitting here really praising this crap. Oh, yeah, we need a new quarterback. This is why we need a new quarterback. Did you not watch the game on Sunday? Did you not watch the game on Sunday? All you fools saw was James throw interceptions. What you act like you don't see, which Bruce Arians, who was on the sideline, said in his press conference that the interceptions were not Jameis' fault. The wide receivers were not where they were supposed to be. Because if it was Jameis' fault, then I want you to explain to me why Bruce Arians was on the sideline tearing Rashard Perryman a new one because the stupid ass gave up on the route. Bucks fans are smarter than this, but to continue to sit here and whine and bitch and cry and moan about Jameis and this and that, you weren't. Let me tell you how dumb our fan base can really be. This is the same fan base that went out and decided when Matt Gay had the worst game of his career, a rookie kicker, week three, let the moment get to him, and he had a bad game. We need to cut Matt Gay. We need to bring back Cairo Santos. We still need a kicker. Matt Gay has not missed a kick since week three. But if you go with these armed uh, GMs that we got, we would have had Cairo Santos, no kicking stupid ass, right on back in Tampa Bay. Joke. No one said anything when Jameis Winston was putting up four or five TDs in a three-week span or no turnover game against Carolina, three TDs against the Giants, four TDs against the Rams, no interceptions against the Saints. Now, one man said something, but he had a bad game in London. I give you the London game. But in this game, smart Bucks fans and the actual coach, our head coach, specifically said that this game and the turnovers and the nonsense was not on number three. But can you tell that to some of these dumbass Bucks fans? No. Why? Because they have the audacity to go out and oh, you keep letting Fox put up that stat that Jameis Winston has the most turnovers since 2015. Brett Favre leads the entire league in interceptions, but I bet you no Green Bay fans were like, oh, we can't deal with this Brett Favre. We gotta get rid of this guy. Damn it. We need to go out there and draft somebody because this guy's throwing so many picks. He's a piece of crap. Listen, it's just morons. I'm sick of it. This is why I said on Facebook that I am a fan that is cut from a different cloth. I'm not like other fans. I consider myself to be the fan who sees the glass half full. Yes, the Tampa Bay have problems. Yes. Do I think you want to know how big of a problem we have? If you saw there was a, uh, a report that came out where JPP and Levante David absolutely ripped the Bucks locker room because after they lost the football game, they were more concerned about banging the country white girls in Nashville than they were about the football game. And thank God JPP is back because he put an end to that nonsense. Well, I, gotta tell you, I was actually pretty happy to see JPP back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, me too. Me too. I was actually pretty happy to see it because when I was watching – I didn't have the ability to actually uh, spread out my games as usual because I normally would like to put all the games on all the screens down here. But I was right. Watching Red Zone, and I was like, you know what? Wow, that's GPP. And then he had the sack in the I think it was like the first quarter, and I'm like, well, it's kind of good to see JP get him back because they didn't know exactly what the extent of the injury was. 
what his uh, timetable to return was. But I got to tell you, it was good to see him back playing at least. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you on that. But the the fact of the matter is, is dude, I'm tired of Bucks fans crying. And what I'm what I'm really upset with is not so much that they're crying that we're losing, is that the blame is not being put where it needs to. Now, I'll give you this. The the defense, the defense, believe it or not, really played really good. Um how do I want to put this in the defense? I thought that the secondary really stepped up this week. I thought having JPP there now opened up the door for Shaq Barrett, who had another sack, and now he leads the league in sacks. Um, I thought Devin White, you know, with the week off and, and getting more comfortable, really looked good. Levante Davis speaks for himself. The run game outside of the Derek, the big Derrick Henry run when it was like first and 10 at their own four, the, the run defense, which is the best in the league, was there. But for whatever, but it's the offense that's having some troubles. We have offensive line issues. Donovan Smith is not a left tackle. He needs to be put to the right. Alex Kappa, I love him to death. We need him back from the broken arm because we have revolving doors on the right side and they're struggling. Um, Jameis has no time. We're not utilizing the run game. And then what really kills me is Mike Evans has 11 catches for 198 yards and two touchdowns, but has no catches in the fourth. Why is that? Is it Jameis? Are you not getting open? Because I was asked three times, well, how come the ball's being thrown to Bashar Perryman? Well, why isn't Godwin and Evans getting open? Where's Bray? We didn't have O.J. Howard. We didn't trade uh, O.J. Howard. So we need to utilize O.J. Howard. So here's here's at the end of the day, this is how we got to look at it. At the end of the day, we have to remember, this is the first year that, that Jameis is under Byron Leftwich. It's the first year that this offense is under Bruce Aarons and Byron Leftwich. This is the first year that Byron Leftwich is actually calling plays under Bruce Arians. So there's a lot of first here. So while we keep now, I understand there's expectations of the Bucks trying to get to the playoffs and everything. That's fine. But at the same time, I just want to see this team improve next week against Seattle. That's what I want to see. Is Jameis going to turn the ball and throw an interception? I'm pretty sure he is because that's what Jameis does. He is a gunslinger. He takes risks. But I also need the wide receivers to actually run to where they're supposed to be so he's not throwing picks. So he's not, you know, I need Ryan Jensen to wait a minute and not spike the ball when Jameis isn't looking. And I saw somebody earlier today say, well, Jameis Winston could have fell on the ball. Dude, give me a break. You're really going to blame that fumble and tell me that you think that Jameis Winston could have fallen on the ball? That's a, it's just stupid. Absolutely stupid. So I'm really hoping that Tampa Bay this week wins this game because I'm tired of my fan base crying. I'm tired of my fellow fans all of a sudden being in, uh, 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 what's, what, what do they call it? The, the armchair general managers, you know. We have a glaring need at offensive line, so my quarterback has time to throw the goddamn ball. Because how many times in that game, in a three-step drop, with somebody in his face, we had to run to try and get a first down? But nobody wants to talk about that. All they want to talk about, well, he fumbled it here, and he threw this interception, and he threw this. Why would Jameis Winston throw a ball 
and there's not a receiver from 10 yards in there. What would that normally tell you? That normally tells you that that means a wide receiver didn't run his route. But yet, all these genius Bucks fans that that apparently you know are 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 smart. I'm not saying that I'm a genius. I just know that I know when it's a Jameis inter- interception for throwing a stupid pass, and I know when the wide receivers aren't in their spot. And when Jameis Winston throws a ball and there's not a wide receiver in five yards, or you go left and Jameis went right, that means somebody messed up somewhere, and it's not always on the damn quarterback come on man Winston need I hear you bro but Winston needs to check his check down what check down there's no outside of Oguye who he threw the ball to twice and he dropped both passes what other check down is there nine times out of ten there is no check down take a look at the game again look at the game again when Jameis Winston was running how many wide receiver? I mean, running backs was back there when he when he had to run the ball for first down. I can give you a fat check. I can give you a fat zero because the seas had parted like Moses and James was like, "Well, just screw it. I'll just run the ball." Come on, man. My fan base is smarter than this, so stop acting like idiots. So I don't have to keep coming on here and freaking have to make this 10, 15 minute rant on how dumb some of you guys sound every single time this man makes a freaking mistake. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, the man's been in the league, what, five years and has thrown more touchdown passes in five years than we have had ever, and we can't wait to run this man out of town. Give me a freaking break. All right, so this is kind of a a touchy topic. I know you're going to fucking go off on me for saying this, all right? But uh, obviously the trade deadline is coming on, 4 o'clock. On Tuesday, what is this, the fucking 29th of October, it's gone. Said and done, history. Now, I remember you saying a rant about O.J. Howard once before, and he was actually uh, he was actually on the trade market, I believe. Yes. They were saying that there was a whole bunch of other players on the trade market, uh, Tyler Eifert, A.J. Green... Uh, I, I even did mention, and thank God Antonio Medina is not here to, say, to listen to me go off on this, uh, Jamal Adams from the Jets was on the line. Uh, apparently they were taking bells for uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, they, I mean, the trade, the trade rumors were massively around the entire time. Right. Uh, one of the things that I had kind of remembered was that you did go off on O.J. Howard like earlier in the year. For not catching the ball. Uh, yeah. He really hasn't had a lot of production this entire year. Am I right? True. I, yeah. Right? I, there is nothing to do that I can fix that. I have done everything. I have legitimately done everything to fucking make myself not sound far away. And that's just the way it is. Can't help anything on that? I'm sorry. Um, so... The only trade that was done today, there was a whole crap load of them last week. Uh, Snoo traded. Uh, we saw the Rams uh, give and go on some cornerbacks. They got Jalen Ramsey. Trade people away. Uh, today they traded Tlaib to the uh, Dolphins with a fifth-round pick. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, and the funny thing is that they're saying now that Tlaib will not even touch the field this year. I believe that too. I wouldn't be shocked if, well, can they buy him out or release him from his contract? I don't see him playing in Miami. I don't see him trying to risk it. Well, this is the reason why they went and traded for uh, Jalen Ramsey after they traded Marcus Peters away. But at the same right, like, 
again, the trade deadline this year was expected to be a little bit more active than it was last year. Uh, there were quite a few moves done this year. Uh, the, again, like the notable names, like an A.J. Green wasn't there. Um, uh, let's see. I, I knew that we weren't trading the Bucks. We have no caps. Have no cap space. Yeah, no, we have we have like maybe seven million because uh, JPP restructured his deal. So what, he had some money, and they turned it into a signing bonus, so they could have a little bit of relief. And there was there was a rumor that the Bucks may have been interested in offensive tackle Trent Williams. Uh, there's actually there was actually a rumor that the Bucks might be reunited with David Johnson. I am all for that one. Um, but I mean, it was it. it I, I think Tampa going into the offseason has like some crazy. I want. I thought I saw someone say that the Bucks will have like sixty-five million dollars in cap space when the season is over with. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but uh, they just didn't have enough space to make any deals. Yeah, but even if they did trade OJ Howard, though, it wasn't like he was going. Like, they were going to get anything back for him. It was more of the fact being that they were going to be trading him away for picks. Well, the thing is, though, supposedly the New England Patriots gave him a deal and the Bucks said no. And it sounded like the Bucks really wanted a first round pick for O.J. Howard. And I read that they got a lot of, you know, substantial deals, but the Bucks just said no. So, uh, you know, O.J. Howard isn't going anywhere and he shouldn't have been going anywhere. Um, there's a lot of talks that people think that the Bucks should try out O.J. Howard at wide receiver, that he would be a huge mismatch and could be a huge target for Jameis, I agree with that. Um, but I didn't. I just didn't see the Bucks making any any hardcore deals, or for that matter, trying to trade OJ Howard for picks. All right. So there is a comment in there saying why didn't they go after Tlaib? Uh, Tlaib's hurt right now. Yeah. And the Dolphins pretty much just traded him away for more stock. That's pretty much what they did. Yeah. They traded for him. They know he's not going to play this year, so he's really going to not go against their cap space. And Tlaib's a free agent at the end of the season. Right. So there's pretty much no sense of turning it around. I mean, the Rams did get a, get a pick back, but they're not getting a great – well, they're not really going to get a great pick back. It's not even until, like, the fifth round. Right. So they pretty much just – the Rams themselves got free themselves of cap space. That's, that's basically what – that's a cap space move. And, of course, the Miami Dolphins are going to take it because they'll have a lot of cap space plus, like, a whole gang of picks. So, Well, I think they're going to pretty much own the draft. That's pretty much where it's going to go. And this draft's got some real solid talent. You know, I mean, they. I feel Miami could could, – because think about it. Rosen's not really working out. Fitzpatrick is is 40-whatever. You know, they're going to need line help. They're going to need quarterback help. I mean, they're gonna. I mean, they need a lot of help. They're gonna. They might need a wide receiver. They traded Kenyon Drake to Arizona, so he's gone now. So I mean, there's my. I'm with you. Miami has a lot of picks, but it's gonna be you know, really up to what the GM does uh, with the picks. All right. So we also have uh, the. I guess the Bengals are gonna finally try to move on from Andy Dalton. They're benching him this weekend. You know what? He's been in the league nine years. Yeah. So maybe he kind of has run his course. But then again, the way I usually say it is, if there's no weapons, you're not going to do very much. 
Yeah, and and I think that's I think that's the problem. And I think Andy Dalton is being used as a scapegoat. Like I'm not the biggest fan of Andy Dalton, but this year I will give him the biggest free pass because you don't have your number one receiver in AJ Green. You haven't had him all year. You don't have uh, John Ross. Um, you know, he gets hurt with the shoulder injury. Uh, so now they're just loading the box up on Joe Mixon and and daring Andy Dalton to uh, beat him in the air, and it just hasn't happened. Like, they, they, their best bet was probably, what, like week one against Seattle when he went for, like, 480-some or, like, 400 yards or whatever. But after that, it's just been – it's been so hard for them. They struggled last week. They struggled against Pittsburgh on Monday night a couple weeks prior to that. So Cincinnati's just – they're a huge mess. They are a huge mess. And, you know, Andy Dalton right now is being made out to be the scapegoat. All right, so there was other news of uh, the the Patriots released uh, Mike Nugent, and they signed former Tampa Bay Buccaneer kicker and former Jet kicker Nick Folk. Hey, have fun with that. Listen, you know what, though? Unfortunately, uh, there was news this week that Atlanta went and released Matt Bryant. I probably would have said, hey, Bill, you know what? Do me a favor. Uh Let's go after Matt Bryan. He, he seems to be more of a reliable kicker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, we've already seen this Nick Folk experiment go bad twice. Yeah. Yeah, good. I don't know. So maybe New England sees something we don't, but I would have went after Bryant over, uh, over what's his name, too. But, but also the fact being is at least Folk has leg, which I think is kind of the bonus to it. But so does Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant still has leg. Yeah, well, after seeing Sunday's game, Sunday's game, and him miss the extra point the week before, I, that's like two. Well, you really can't even say that because Vinatieri's been kind of, you know, like not doing well. But he goes and kicks a game winner on Sunday, so like that flips everything around. Right. But Vinatieri is almost like fifty, and you know Matt Bryan's only like his late thirties. Right. So I mean, outside of that, I don't know how much of a difference that's really going to make. Right. No, no, I agree with you on that. So we got scores here just to refresh everybody. Minnesota. Oh, uh, before before you go into the scores, let's not also forget that the New York Giants acquired Leonard Williams from the New York Jets for a couple of draft picks. I am a huge fan of that deal for the New York Giants. I'm going to tell you why. Because Leonard Williams, in my opinion, has been out of position ever since he got drafted by the Jets. Like a lot of people... And uh, not to switch sports, but the Rangers just took the lead. Yes, sir. Philip Hedo. Hedo. Um, Leonard Williams is a defensive end coming out of USC when he got drafted back in 2014, the same draft with uh, Jameis and Mariota and everybody. I think he was the number four pick that year. He was either four or five, one of the two. Um. Leonard Williams is not a 3-4 defensive end. He is a 4-3 defensive end. And I think the New York Giants run a the 4-3 defense. And you're going to it's going to it eerily reminds me of Mario Williams. Do you remember remember when remember when Mario Williams um uh, was in Houston. When they started, they ran the 4-3. And Mario Williams was a sack machine. Then when they brought in Romeo Crennel, 
they switched to the three, four and he was ineffective. Like he was trying to be the outside linebacker. That didn't work. They tried him as the inside and that didn't work. So then he ends up going to Buffalo and then under Jim Schwartz on the Buffalo, he gets 15 sacks on a rejuvenated year. And then under, um, under uh, Rex Ryan, when he came in, he was ineffective again. And that's what I feel about Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is not a, would technically would make him a defensive tackle in a three four in the three four defense. That's not what he is. He is a four three um, defensive lineman. I think that's an awesome trade for the New York Giants, and I think it's going to pay dividends on a defense that could use some pass rush. I think that was a great move by the Giants, and the Jets should be ashamed of themselves for playing Leonard Williams out of position for the first four years of his career. And it also is the first time ever that both teams made a trade with each other. Right. Which we, you don't really hear that very often, though, of, of teams going back and forth like that. Right. Right. All right. So just a slight reminder. You had the Thursday night game, Minnesota 19, Redskins 9. I think the Redskins still only have one win for the rest of the year. Uh, again, forementioned uh, Seattle and Atlanta. This game here in the beginning was not close. No, it wasn't at all. Seattle did have a commanding lead. I, I give the Falcons credit. If they could actually play two halves of football, they may have a chance. But that- as, as the owner did say, though, that, again, they scored everything in the second half. Like yep. The first half is oblivious to them, and then all of a sudden, here comes the second half, and now the Atlanta Falcons can play. Yep. And you know what? That is what used to kill me when Dirk, Dirk Cutter is the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. But when he was in Tampa Bay, it was the same nonsense. Either they, they were so far behind in the first half that by the time the second half would come around, they would use so much energy that in the fourth quarter they were spent. And he did that a lot last year, and you're seeing it again this year. So it's kind of almost the same, the same M.O., uh, with with dirt with with dirt cutter now being in Atlanta, where in the first half they struggle so bad, but then in the second half to try and make this amazing comeback, and there's just not enough time and there's not enough energy. Well, believe it or not, NFL.com actually did fix their fucking stat page. It's a fucking it, it, it's phenomenal now. It actually works. Uh, show up through 460. I mean, there I, there were um, some turnover problems with him. He did throw for 460 yards, right? Right. Uh, Julio had 152 yards but didn't reach the end zone. Wilson, 182 yards with two two touchdowns. Chris Carson, 90 yards rushing, a touchdown. I mean, overall, again, if Atlanta could put together a full game, you'd have a better team. Nobody expected the Atlanta Falcons to go 1-7. Right. I wasn't one of them that that picked them to go 1-7. I did say probably like six and ten, seven and nine, uh, but I really didn't expect them to be really this shitty. Right. Uh, next game, uh, I, again, a come from behind win. We had uh, Denver traveling to Indy. Denver loses fifteen thirteen. A big story coming out of this game is supposedly, and we'll put that in quotation marks, supposedly. That Flacco has neck issues. 
Yep. And this has been what's leading to him been playing like crap. I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't believe it either. And this is and this is exactly what I said last week um, concerning the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos need to move from John Elway. You know, John Elway since the Super Bowl years, uh, you know, Peyton Manning's last year has been he he has flubbed so hard with these uh with the quarterback situation that it's it's gone from it, it went from a Hall of Famer to worse. Like think about it. So Peyton, you win the uh the Super Bowl against what was it fifty against um um oh my God Carolina right yeah. Or, or for whichever one it was, you, you you went against Carolina. So then Brock Osweiler was supposed to be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning, and he spurns Denver to go to Houston. How you let that happen is confusing to me. So then Trevor Simeon has to play, and then Trevor Simeon only lasts a year, and then you bring in, um, you draft. Paxton Lynch, because Paxton Lynch was supposed to be the next the next man up, and then you end up cutting him after two years, and then you bring in Case Keenum, and that doesn't work out, and then somewhere in there they were supposed to trade for uh, they were supposed to trade for what's his name for Colin Kaepernick, and they couldn't get a uh, a contract extension together, so John Elway flubbed on that, so you flubbed on Cap, you didn't produce Paxton Lynch. Uh, Trevor Simeon didn't work out. You couldn't bring back Brock Osweiler. Uh, Case Keenum didn't work out. Then you trade for Joe Flacco, and he's not worth a damn. So when do you start putting the blame where blame is due and need to put it on John Elway that I feel like that he more or less has failed this football team. And as much as John Elway has been the royalty of the Denver Broncos for so many years, he's not a general manager. He's just a name. Well, it's funny that they're not even putting their uh, their draft pick in. The one that they, 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 everybody was really kind of clamoring for. Oh, uh, Drew Locke. Yeah, and, and Locke's not even starting this week. So, which I think is kind of funny if you really wanted to see where your team is for the future. Uh, again, like the, the Giants are doing it. I really think that maybe Denver should do it to see like what this kid's potential really is. I mean, the other guy. The other guy has been sitting there for a while, so I don't know if that's really the best bet. They're not out of the playoff picture dramatically like other teams, but at the same right, I mean, I, I really think that I don't know. Maybe I'm just overseeing it, but I think Locke should be playing instead of fucking whoever they, whoever it is that they have slated for. I, no, I agree, but. But but again, this is John Elway again. You pick a decent quarterback. Like remember, they traded up to get Paxton Lynch in the first round, and then and then um, uh, they couldn't even develop him. So you would think you would you would not make the same mistake with Drew Locke, but I feel like they are. So I don't know. I would tell with Denver, but that was a tough loss for Denver. But a good win for Indy, though. It was a good win for Indy because they came back from behind. But in this game here, there are really no like eye blistering numbers. Uh, Brissett threw for two hundred two. Uh, Mack only had seventy six yards rushing, had a score. The leading receiver, not T. Y. Hilton, not Ra- uh, Pascal, or any of the other regular receivers, but John Doyle, sixty one yards receiving. I believe it. Yeah. The- 
Defensively, Denver was good. It's just they couldn't get anything going offensively. And this was also Denver's first game without a manual service. So. Yep, that's true. Um, obviously, uh, is the Bucks game. We kind of really touched on that. Right. Uh, Damn you, NFL.com, for just not letting me fucking look at shit. Uh, numbers, 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 numbers. Cause you got to see numbers. All right, apparently this is not. Oh, there it is. All right. Uh, Winston threw for 301, two scores. Tannenhill, 193 and three touchdowns. This is Tennessee's, I believe, second win with Tannenhill at quarterback. Yep. It's a very big difference than Marcus Mariota. Uh, Derrick Henry had 75 yards rushing. Jameis Winston actually led Tampa with 53 yards rushing. Yep. Uh, Evans, 198 and two scores. I mean, again... Say it as say it however you want, but Tampa had that big game, big game against the Rams, and it seems like that was almost like their Super Bowl in a way. I'm not saying it is a bad thing, but they really put in a lot against the Rams, and fortitude wise, really doesn't have any reflection for the last three games. Yeah, no, it, it it's disheartening to watch, and I think that's why a lot of the fans are upset. How can you come out and put a fifty for a double nickel? on the Rams, and then, you know, we lost to the Saints, and the Saints' defense is is freaking amazing, and they showed it again this week against Arizona, and then you lose, uh, we lose to Tennessee, and then you don't even show up against Carolina, so I'm not sure what's kind of going on, but what I will say is that, um, what I will say is it's got to get fixed. It really does. And, and I, I mean, you know, JPP's yelling and Levante David is yelling. And, you know, they people are going to start getting held accountable. So the Bucks need to get focused. But I believe in Bruce Arians. I believe in Todd Bowles. I believe in B.A. I believe in Jameis. I believe in everybody. So um, I, I feel, like I said, I'm a fan who looks at the glass half full. I'm not a fan that looks at the glass half empty. 90% of the Bucks fans look at the glass half empty, but they need to turn around. And maybe next week will be that week because Seattle's secondary, as you can see, is not that great if Matt Schaub's dropping 463. But And, and again, I felt Tampa's defense took another step up, especially with having JPP in there. Well, speaking of the two teams that you did just mention, uh, Arizona did go down to New Orleans. The return of Drew Brees... Uh, I really thought they were going to hold him out, but luckily for my fantasy team, somebody dropped him, and I picked Amari up, and ended up having such a fucking great week with him. Saints 31, Cardinals 9. Ends the Cardinals' three-game winning streak. Saints are steamrolling right now. They 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 are steamrolling. In this game, though, Kyler Murray did not throw another touchdown, but did throw for 220. Breeze, 373 and three scores. And I believe Breeze also did have a pick in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Latavius Murray picking up for no Kamara, 102 yards rushing and a touchdown. Charles Clay was the leading receiver for Arizona, 88 yards. And Michael Thomas, another 112 and one score. I, I, I have to say here... Uh, this is, again, one of the games that Red Zone actually did focus on. Kyler Murray did look pretty good in this game, but they lost another running back, and that's going to kill them for the short week that's coming up 
because Arizona's got to go and play San Francisco this week on Thursday Night Football. Yeah. So that should make life even more interesting. Right. Who did they lose? Uh, Edmonds? Yes, they lost Edmonds to a knee injury in, I believe it was the second quarter. Okay. Which also was the reason why they went and traded for Kenyon Drake. Could be. Smart move. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, dude. Yeah, it, uh, life does not get easier for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. The London game, which surprisingly enough was on at normal standard time here in the States. Rams 24, Bengals 10. Bengals are now 0-8. All I have to say is Cooper Cup. That's all I got to say. 220 yards receiving. And they the, the Bengals stupidly did play a lot of zone defense in this game and left him wide open in the middle of the field. Yeah, and... And think about it like this. At one point, Cincinnati, either they were tied or had the lead, and then the Rams just kind of ran away with it. Yeah, dude, as, as we said earlier, the Cincinnati's just not a good football team right now, and the Rams really needed that win to kind of keep pace with Seattle. Because I'm not going to say San Francisco, they're in the league of their own right now, but to keep pace with Seattle maybe for like a wild card spot or something there in the West. So that, that was a nice win for uh, for Los Angeles. All right, so we have uh, this game here is kind of an upset in a way. I, I didn't see it as an upset, but I had a feeling it was going to end up happening. Philly goes up to Buffalo, yeah. 31-13 the final. Eagles finally get off the losing streak. Buffalo's offense is very fucking stagnant. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's and, not good. And what what kind of what kind of um bothers me a little bit is I feel like 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 when we started the year I felt as if 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 Josh Allen could somehow turn the corner uh hold on a second my oh never mind um I uh was I said oh if Josh Allen could somehow kind of turn the corner this year you know there's a there were a lot of Buffalo fans that were not happy they took Josh Allen. A lot of Buffalo fans thought they were going to take Josh Rosen. And what I'm saying is, is that I thought the game against New England, if I can go back a couple weeks, where he just made just bad throws. Like, he's always throwing off his back leg, and he just didn't look good overall. And they struggled, and, you know, I mean, they were in it, but they really weren't in it per se. And it came back to haunt them because they kind of did it again last week against Miami, but bad teams find ways to lose games, and that's what the Miami Dolphins are. So then you go into this week where you have Philadelphia, who's coming off a fresh ass whooping from the Dallas Cowboys, and you drop the ball by letting Philadelphia look better than they were. Like the defense held on for so long, but because the offense is so many three and outs and they and and weren't getting any points, Philadelphia took advantage. So I think this was kind of an upset. I think this is a bad loss for Buffalo, and they're going to need to somehow get things turned around um, because – you know, it, it, you're not going to really keep pace with New England because, like San Francisco, New England is in a league of their own. But Buffalo needs to turn around last week. I thought la- or next week. I thought last week was a bad loss. But you know what? I, I this again was another one that they kind of focused on. The front seven for Buffalo was very good. Yes. Secondary for the Buffalo Bills was not in great shape. Right. And that was a very big problem for them. 
Allen threw for 169, two touchdowns. Wentz, 172 in a score. Jordan Howard showing again one of the reasons why he probably should have stayed in Chicago. Yeah. 96 yards rushing with a score and not really even a receiver over 100 yards. I mean, this game here was just a pretty brutal game for Buffalo. I, I believe Buffalo was favored in this game. How by, by how many points, I don't even know. But, there. I mean, again, it puts now Buffalo two and a half games behind the Pats. Yep. Five and two. It does get the Eagles back into the NFC East race at four and four. They're still ahead of the Giants. Obviously, they're still ahead of the Redskins. I believe they are a game back of Dallas. Yep. My memory serves me correctly on the uh, the standings. Right. Yep. I know you've heard a lot about this over the weekend. Chargers, Bears. Oh, man. This game made me want to throw up. It really made me want to throw up. Chargers win by a point, 17-16. Is there like an omen that kickers are not allowed to kick game-winning field goals in Chicago, first of all? And here's the funny thing about that. They did an interview today with uh, Eddie Pinheiro, and I guess the, the question that was asked to Eddie, because Eddie kicked that ball from the left hash mark, and that was because they did a victory formation and they kind of did in the middle of the field more towards the left side. Um, Eddie Pinero did admit that he prefers kicking the ball from the right hash mark instead of from the left. But he should have never been put in that position because the Chicago Bears, once again, in the red zone, was like like first and goal at the five or whatever, can't run the freaking football, you know? And is it, it drives me nuts because what's his name actually had a really good day. Uh, I, uh, Isaiah Montgomery, he had a, or David Montgomery. I'm sorry, he had a um, he had a really good game this week. I think he had over 120 some yards and potentially a touchdown. I think, but for for whatever reason, do the Bears' offense is stagnant? But here's what kind of drives me crazy about the Bears too, is 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 once again it's the fans. Do fans drive me nuts? Like. Here's here's what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. It's like if I was a dad, okay, and let's say I had a son, and then my next door neighbor has kids, and all right, let's say he's got a son, okay, and I'm sitting, and we both have, let's say we both have a son at a month apart, okay, and while my son's playing in the grass, and I'm trying to teach him football, and he may not be grasping onto it real quickly, but my next-door neighbor's son is over there running routes and catching the football and might be a little bit more athletic with my son or more athletic than my son, I'm not going to sit here and be like, damn, I wish I could have a son like his. Give him more time to develop. You get these moron Bears fans and 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 I, I'm telling you, dude. I, I don't know if it's something in the air and water, but I'm telling you, there are a lot of idiots, and I just I'd love to see it. <clears throat> Here's Patrick Mahomes. Oh man, we drafted Mitchell over Patrick Mahomes, and we traded up for him. Blah, 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 blah. Deshaun Watson. Ah oh, man, I wanted Deshaun Watson over Mitchell anyway. Here we go. Blah, 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 blah. How about you give Mitchell Trubisky? a little bit more time to flip and develop. A, the man's not healthy. B, outside of Allen Robinson, the Chicago Bears have absolutely 
no wide receivers for this man to uh, throw the football to. C, the guy that took the pressure off of Mitchell Trubisky, you ceremoniously let him go and Jordan Howard. And for some reason, Matt Nagy flipping just loves to run the ball with Tariq Cohen when he's not that kind of running back. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like the Bears fans have no patience because they're spoiled. In a sense of last year, a team went, what is it, like 12-4, and four, finished with the second-best record in the NFC, third-best record in the NFC, excuse me, and probably overachieved more than people thought they were. And so when they come into the next year, they had a decent draft, even though they didn't have picks in the first and second round. Now, all of a sudden, we're putting the Chicago Bears in the Super Bowl. But Mitchell is struggling. He's still young. He still needs rooms to grow. But stop worrying about what Mahomes is doing and stop worrying about what Deshaun Watson is doing and just keep focused on what Mitch is doing. I feel like Mitch is doing some good things, but I also think he's struggling in certain areas. But like like I, I said earlier, uh, it wasn't on the show, but on the Facebook book about Jameis, I feel the same way about Mitchell. These guys are what is called quicksand, where they make one mistake and then they try to make up for it so much and then they make another one and another one the next you know you've thrown three or four picks you know bears fans have no patience and it's freaking disgusting it's the same way with bucks fans they should be best friends like freaking relax but mitchell trubisky who said in an interview he was like look i was told don't throw an interception and get the first down ran the ball to put eddie panero in freaking position to kick the football and eddie panero happened to miss Yes, but I also do kind of agree with some of the media by saying that Nagy did have a friggin' brain fart by not trying to run the ball at least once to get him just a few yards closer. I understand you don't want to risk the turnover, but when you've got Montgomery running like that, run him off the right guard, at least get him back into the middle of the field, so if in case he does somehow slice it to the left, then he'd be in a little bit better spot, or you're also still giving yourself the extra down in case of a, a botch on the kick. But Nagy didn't do that. Apparently he fell asleep at the wheel, and I kind of agree with that. Get him, a, get him about two, three yards closer. He may make the kick a little bit easier, and it was to an area of the stadium that really wasn't blowing around as much. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There were some fans that was getting on Nagy for doing the, excuse me, the victory formation there, um, instead of getting the couple yards. But I still think they were in good position to win. And Eddie Pinero just made missed the kick. That's all. That's really all it comes down to. Because the Chargers didn't look crisp. Now, of course, they're not because the Bears' defense is great, and uh, the offense I feel like has taken a step back. But Again, you got a guy that's got one shoulder throwing the football. And, there, and there's got to be a confidence issue somewhere with Mitchell because I don't think he's this bad of a quarterback. I really don't. So, you know, they need to fix something with him, but it's, just a little bit. it's still unfortunate that, you know, Panero misses the kick. And, and they were winning going into halftime, and the freaking Chicago friends were booing them out the box. Yeah, because they didn't look good offensively. Moving on to uh, the Motor City. Detroit uh, hosting the New York Giants. Final score, Detroit 31, Giants 26. 
Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I had a choice of watching this game or the Jets game on Sunday on regular TV. Uh, I chose this one. Let's not throw away the total Daniel Jones thing. Uh, Jones actually did look good in this game. Uh, he did. Threw for 322, four scores. Again, when the pocket was breaking down, he adjusted to be able to make the throws. He, he did find a new target in this game because uh, Slayton had two touchdown catches, and they weren't cheapies. They were not cheapies. Uh, Stafford threw for 342 and three scores. Uh, Barkley, 64 yards rushing. Uh, leading receiver for the entire game was Galladay with 123 and two scores. Giant, the Giants are two and six. Uh, a lot of people are trying to blame the offensive line for the majority of this. Um, I'll still blame the defense because the defense can't stop a sneeze. Right. Uh, them getting Leonard on yes yesterday in the trade should help the pass rush, which again should aid the secondary. But when you give up two two touchdown passes for forty plus, there can be a problem. So I'm not going to put this game totally on the Giants' offense. I mean, they lose by five, but yeah, I really can't. I really can't say very much more than that. Yeah, and let me say this too, because you know Detroit is a very interesting team. Everyone freaked out because Carryon Johnson wasn't uh, didn't play. But what if I told you that I feel like the Detroit Lions are almost better off not having a running game because they haven't had one for years. They've had Matt Stafford go out here and throw these, you know, 300 to 350 yard games. And I feel like they're almost more successful throwing the ball than they are running it. Like, yes, you have to run the ball. But but I feel like the Lions sometimes are that team where they don't need a guy to go out there and run for 170 yards to take the pressure off of Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford's not that kind of quarterback. Like, he doesn't mind throwing the ball. Kenny Galladay is a really good wide receiver. Damian Amendola has surprisingly stayed healthy for Stafford to throw him the ball. And, you know, TJ Hawkinson's kind of been, you know, up, down, up, down. But when he's up, he's really good. You know, so I think I think it was almost uh, addition by subtraction. Not saying that Carryon Johnson sucks. I just think that they go back to playing the football that they've been doing for the last few years, where it's really pass first and then we'll mix in a little run. But it was a good win for Detroit, and they really needed that win to try and keep pace for what it's worth in the North, but maybe more importantly for a wild card spot. So then we go south to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's hosting the New York Jets. Another horror show, in my opinion. I mean, they dressed the mascot up as a big ghost. I thought that was kind of funny. I played Ghostbusters throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, Darnold threw for two scores on this, but it looks like, again, he's still... His mechanics are fucked up. Supposedly, he had a toenail removed last week. That didn't help anything. Right. Uh, Minshew is showing the real deal at this point. Nick Folk may not have a job when he comes back. Nick Foles, yeah. He, he's just not going to have a job when he comes back. Minshew threw for 279 and three scores. He fucked my fantasy team because I, I, I was against him this weekend. Fournette, 76 yards rushing. Le'Veon Bell is pretty much a ghost because he only had 23 yards rushing. I think he's average. I think he had nine touches total in the game. 
Yeah. And Ryan Griffin shows up and gives Darnold the two touchdowns, but the Jets looked extremely hapless in this game. Adam Gates definitely should have been fired after this game because he's just not the supposed quarterback whisperer that everybody likes to call him. He's not helping at all. No, he's not. No, he's not. I'm with you, dude. Adam Gates is just not a head coach. He's not, you know. And uh, I bet you, I bet you, for what it's worth, like he's, I think he's a good offensive coordinator where he's just sitting there and just calling offensive plays, but to try and and boost and motivate a squad, he's just not it. And you know what else sucks for the Jets is the fact that you know they still are missing C.J. Mosley, and their team really hasn't been the same since he since he got hurt. But uh, you know, you trade Leonard Williams. I talked about that earlier. You said how they were how they were fielding offers for Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell, but the but the what you call it's the uh, 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 oh my god, the Jets didn't um, bite on any of it. Um, but yeah, dude, this it's just so tough because I feel that you know the Jets' offensive line is struggling. They really don't have any wide receivers, and I really think Le'Veon Bell went to the New York Jets. And and here's another thing too, because. If I'm not mistaken, Adam Gates didn't even want Le'Veon Bell in New York. Yeah. And and I think the only reason why Le'Veon went to New York is because he knew he was going to get paid. That's the only other reason why I think you would go to the New York Jets. Well, you know you're going to bring in a rookie head coach with a second-year quarterback with no line and no wide receivers and with a decent defense. You were not going this this line that you're running behind with the New York Jets is not the same line that it was or the same line you ran with two years ago with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I really think Le'Veon Bell went to the Jets to get paid, but a good win, and I'm with you. I think Gardner Minshew has not only won over the Jacksonville fans, but has also won over the job. And either you're going to keep Nick Foles, I just did the same thing, Nick Foles as a backup quarterback or you're just going to cut your losses. And I think they're going to cut their losses because you're not going to keep a – because Nick Foles got paid, was it like $20-some million backup? Yeah, they've got a like a four-year $88 million deal or something. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could easily see him getting cut and the and the Jags just going with uh, Gardner Minshew. All right, so that was it for the 1 o'clock Eastern Standard games, 12 o'clock Central – Freaking 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock fucking Pacific time games. Uh, starting off the 4 o'clock slate is Carolina visiting the 49ers. A lot to really talk about in this game. 49ers win 51-13. to 13. Yeah. Everything pretty much equally balanced for the 49ers. Defense came up huge in this game. Yeah. Very big. Yeah, and there's talks that Nick Bosa might might win. I heard today that there's lines that Nick Bosa could end up being the defensive rookie of the year and defensive player of the year. And the last person that did that was Lawrence Taylor back in was it like 1981 when he was drafted by the New York Giants. Nick Bosa's a monster. Both Bosa's are monsters if you just want to be real about it. But Nick Bosa's something else. And again, and I, I you know I mentioned this on the show last Friday. You know, you got to give John Lynch all the credit in the world because here's a safety that played with one of the greatest defenses that's ever played in the O2 Bucks. So what did he do? He went out and he drafted um, 
Nothing but guys in the front. So you got DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa. They swan, they sign Quan Alexander. You bring in some, uh, you bring in Richard Sherman, you know, after he got cut by Seattle. And now this team is believing in themselves defensively. And these guys are just getting after the quarterback at will. And the 49ers defensively are just so good. And I'm pretty sure it was Kyle Shanahan that told John Lynch, look, we need a receiver. Let's see what's out there. Got a nice, decent deal for Emmanuel Sanders. But, yeah, Tevin Coleman, you know, you're seeing what the Atlanta Falcons were when the uh, when they blew the 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl is the exact what you're seeing, at least offensively, in the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. So he's doing a great job out there. Niners clearly are the best team in the NFC, and they did me a small favor by beating Carolina, even though we didn't win, but – Big win for San Francisco. Well, that also stops Carolina's winning streak. Um, Allen threw for 158, no touchdowns. I believe he did throw three interceptions in the game. Uh, and that's just off the top of my head. And McCaffrey rushed for another 117 with one score. I, I mean, overall, I think this was a good game. I did turn it off when it was like in the four, when San Francisco was in the 40s. So I really didn't watch it very much after that. Right. Um, I did tune in to the Houston Raiders, the Houston Open game, and uh, I was waiting for an Al Dappe sighting, and it never happened. Oh, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. Uh, no, we lost. That's, oh, that was, that was kind of uh, oh, in the chat room. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, he did. He definitely didn't uh, say anything, but I'm pretty sure he was uh, pretty excited about what was going on. Well, Houston comes back after uh, Mr. Deshaun Watson takes a foot to the face. I uh, throws the ball, throws a touchdown pass with one eye, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was playing. It was a uh, Enter Sandman thing going on in, in Houston because uh, Deshaun Watson played the rest of the fourth quarter with pretty much uh, a, a busted eye and then a regular eye. Houston wins 24, uh, 27-24. Oakland was in the lead for a while in this game, and Houston did come storming back. Again, I, Houston's the up-and-down team, in my opinion, right now. Like like we said, somebody had said last week that they're the, the new Patriots of the NFL. Get off yourselves, just because, you know, their offense is pretty decent, but their defense is not great now. J.J. Watt is now out for the rest of the year uh, with a torn pectoral muscle. And he legitimately didn't even wait for the team to say anything. He tweeted it out. He did an Instagram. Uh, he did a Facebook post, whatever. He's like, yo, guys, I'm out for the rest of the year. It's the third time in four years J.J. Uh, Watt's not making it through a full season. Yeah, dude. And and I've been saying, like, J.J. Watt, like, and, 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 and the funny thing about J.J. Watt is, like, everyone's like, oh, you know, I'm not saying that he's not a great defensive end. What I am saying, though, is that uh, – what I am saying, though, is that this man gets hurt every single year. And it's just like, like I don't understand it. And he's hurt again. And especially, and now it really hurts because you don't have Jadavion Clowney. So you don't have a pass rush or anything. Um, so, yeah, dude, I mean, like I said, it's every single year. All you hear is J.J. Watt. You know, oh, this is going to be the comeback season. But, you know, those days of him winning the uh, those days of him winning 
defensive player of the year. Those days are done because he can't stay healthy. He'll play like six games. It's a knee injury. And he's gone for the rest of the year. So uh, we have the the final again the, the final part of that block. Uh, it's Browns visiting the Patriots, and uh, it, it, it's kind of ironic that I could actually say this. I think uh, Patriots took the Browns to the bowl. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, and I can't believe, like, I mean, I can't say that I can't believe it because why would the Browns not think that they were going to come out and win? But why would you give a team that was 7-0 any kind of bulletin material um, for a team that's struggling? Dude, Nick Chubb is a, is a fine running back, fumbles the ball like crazy. He had two fumbles, you know, especially with, the you know, the crappy weather. I know what's going on out there in, in, uh, uh, in uh, Boston, but... Uh, Nick Chubb busts out a real nice run, forgets to secure the football like he didn't know somebody was behind him, freaking fumbles it. And then, dude, Baker Mayfield is not the same quarterback. And, again, we're talking about a guy who had a lot of foot and mouth disease, uh, you know, since he's been drafted and whatnot. And I, I know that the pressure is getting on to him. And, you know, we, again, maybe the Cleveland Browns were a very overhyped team, you know, going into the season. We're all thinking that this is a team now because Baker Mayfield got them that first win, and then you kind of saw them winning games, and then you saw the effort of Cleveland trying to put a better feet team on the field out there. Maybe Freddie Kitchens wasn't the, the right co coach for this team, but um, I don't think Cleveland should be this bad. And what's really to say about New England outside of they have the top two best defense in the league? Because I heard that statistically San Francisco actually based by yards per game is actually better than the New England Patriots. But that doesn't take away from the fact that this the defense is flipping amazing. And they still do leave the uh, league in interceptions, I believe. Yep. All right, so we have the Sunday night game. No Patrick Mahomes. Matt Moore did put up a great fight. I give him that. Matt Moore did put up a good fight in this game. Packers 31, Chiefs 24, Chiefs full of 5-3, and three. Packers are now 7-1. and one. But this game was a shootout for a good period of time. Yeah, and give um, you know, give credit where credit is due to Matt Moore. You know, I I think a lot of people think he played better than than um, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to, and um, um, you know, at the end of the day, dude, uh, you got to give credit where credit is due. You think that Aaron Rodgers is washed up and he's done in Green Bay, and you know, I I personally honestly thought that that the end could be for for this team in Green Bay because I just felt as if. Um, I just felt as if like he just wasn't happy out there anymore. But now the 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 chemistry between Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers, and now you know you got um, Jamal Williams is healthy, a match with Aaron Jones, and now Green Bay is kind of running the football now, and and that throw that Aaron Rodgers made to the back of the end zone to. Uh, to uh, what's his name? To Aaron Jones was flipping amazing, and I mean, dude, Green Bay is firing on all cylinders, and they could be undefeated too outside of a, a, a bad loss to Philadelphia. But at the same time, um, 
I feel like they learned from that, and they've come out and fired on all cylinders. So big win for Green Bay. And as far as Kansas City is concerned, like they're just fortunate that Oakland ended up losing this past weekend because, you know, now they're, I mean, they're five and three now. But I think what they've lost three games in a row. So they, they won the, the Thursday night game against Denver. Oh, that's right. They've lost what three of the last four. You're right. Three out of the last four. They've lost, so, so, I mean, that's they're still ahead in their division. However, right. in the conference in itself, that's going to put them behind the eight ball. And they're saying now, okay, Mahomes had another week off. That they're they're going to be coming up to play Minnesota this weekend coming up. And they might be, they might legitimately be running Mahomes out there on Sunday for the game against Minnesota because they're going to need it. If they lose another game, they're probably going to fall way behind. And he, but here's the thing that I don't like that move because the problem with with uh, Oakland, I'm mean, Oakland, damn, uh, Kansas City is not the quarterback or the offense. Dude, this team can't play defense. <clears throat> Defensively, they're just bad. You know what? They're not bad. They're at, they're below average, and you you know I mean even when Mahomes was healthy, Mahomes is, you know the the the, the Chiefs are, are scoring twenty seven points, but you can't win games if you're giving up thirty eight, and that's what they're doing. So unless Andy Reid tightens up the screws on defense, I wouldn't want to bring in Patrick Mahomes and get him further injured. You know, because I feel like I can't score points. You scored points against Green Bay. It's just your sorry-ass defense gave up, you know, 31 points. So they're going to have to – they're going to have to – excuse me. They're going to have to figure that out, that defense out, and I don't think Mahomes is the problem. Well, we're going to finish off the uh, schedule here with uh, the Cardinal throw poll from Monday night. And uh, I, I had commented on a few of the different memes on Facebook – yesterday and i was like really i can't wait for fucking week 14. everybody's like why why can't you wait for week 14 because that's when they flex fucking games okay that's the beginning of the end where you do not have to see shit matchups for example pittsburgh versus miami okay yeah. beginning of the season you already knew the miami dolphins were going to be shit right you really didn't expect the pittsburgh steelers to be this bad. Okay? Now, uh, from my understanding, they lost Connor during this game to a shoulder injury. He could possibly outbeat for the rest of the year. Right. This game, to me, I, I said to all of them, I'm like, thank God that Monday Night Raw is on, that there is probably some type of baseball or hockey or something else to watch because I refuse to put five minutes into watching this game. I refuse. I understand we do the show, but I refuse to do, watch the game live. I would rather watch the YouTube highlights from NFL.com because I knew this game was going to be a travesty to begin with. Yeah, dude, you did. You did, really didn't miss much. Dolphins were up fourteen nothing. Like I picked Miami on the upset because I just think Pittsburgh is really bad. I know, I know the Dolphins are worse, but I feel like they were due. But basically, all you need to know from that game because I watched a few minutes and then I was done. The Dolphins at one point were up fourteen nothing and let Pittsburgh um, score twenty seven unanswered points and ended up losing twenty seven fourteen. So, so the worst thing that Miami did was push um 
uh, Pittsburgh back on the first round pick that the Steelers thought that they needed to trade for Mika Fitzpatrick, by the way. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that genius move. I, I loved it, too, because everyone's like, oh, well, Mika Fitzpatrick is a generational player, and no, he, like, he's a good safety, but if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you just lost Big Ben and you don't have and you don't have uh wow dude the nationals are getting screwed uh and you don't have you don't have bell you don't have brown you don't have um Roethlisberger, but you said you know what we'll take our top 10 pick and trade for Mika Fitzpatrick cuz we may not have anybody else stupid absolute stupid it's just making it look like Miami will be even smarter at some points. Yeah, it does. Even though they suck front office-wise, oh, it makes them look like geniuses. So, nice job, Pittsburgh. You got your generational safety. I don't know. Speaking about generational, that's the end of the fucking uh, week eight schedule. Uh, we're going to do a quick pick on Thursday night's game, which is San Francisco traveling to Arizona. I actually thought it was the other way around. My apologies. Let me get the uh, the betting screen here. Because this this actually may be a good game this week. I'm not going to throw this one under the bus. It's possible. Uh, Sam Fran minus seven at Arizona. That was the open. The consensus is now negative ten. Yeah, this 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 is a no brainer for me. I'm taking um, San Francisco both ways. Their defense is too strong. I like Kyler Murray. I think he's really playing well. But what I uh, I just don't buy into uh, you know them against San Francisco. San Francisco is too good. Their defense is too deep. I mean, yeah, they may not have the best offense in the world, but Tevin Coleman's making it work. Matt Breida's making it work. Jimmy Garoppolo's making it work. I'm sure he's happy as Emmanuel Sanders to go with George Kittle. So and you know both both offensive and defensive lines, and um and um um in uh, San Francisco, it's just too much for Arizona. So give me uh, San Francisco both ways. I'm agreeing on that. I, I think though, one thing you will look at for this game, I know it's going to be the short week. Drake just got there yesterday. It only gives him about two and a half days to prepare. They'll probably give him like a 15 or 20 play playbook. San Francisco's only chink in their armor right now is that they are the 11th ranked rush defense in the NFL. Right. Their pass defense is off the chain. But I think with the running game, going to be getting a little bit better. I kind of see Drake better. Uh, better fitted maybe for the Arizona system than he was for Miami. Knowing the fact that you're going to have Kyler Murray running around, you're still going to have Larry Fitzgerald running around. Yeah, I, that's the only thing to keep an eye on would be for San Francisco's rush defense. Yeah. But I do agree on that, on San Francisco giving tank. Yeah. Right. E- easily. All righty. So that's it for our rivals for the – End of week eight, beginning of week nine, October 29th, 2019. Hopefully, we'll all be back on Friday. 
That's right. Be the first of the month. Yes. And it's gonna. We got a great slate of games coming up this weekend as well. Hell right. Don't forget, tune in Friday, 9.30 Eastern Standard. And we'll catch everybody later. Deuce.